Welcome to Mendocino Theater Company's Reading on the Radio. I'm Pamela Allen. And I'm Lori LaPaul. And we are delighted to bring you tonight another play by one of our favorite American playwrights, Susan Glaspell. Glaspell, who was born in 1876, was a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, best known these days for her masterpiece, Trifles, which we performed on KZYX last year. She was also the co-founder of the Provincetown Players, which was a little theater that was considered one of the first modern American theaters. So tonight we are bringing you her play, Woman's Honor, a comedic satire written just over a hundred years ago, but I think feels totally modern. This play is about an attractive young man accused of murder who chooses to suffer for a crime he did not commit rather than spoil the honor of the woman with whom he'd spent the night and who could give him an alibi for the murder. A newspaper account released strategically by his lawyer telling of his situation motivates several women to come forward. Each one says that she is the woman he had been with, and each one has her own specific reason for wanting to sacrifice her honor in order to save his life. Rather than give them names, Glaspell gives these women allegorical titles, the shielded one, the motherly one, the scornful one, the silly one, the mercenary one, and the cheated one. The play becomes a discussion of what woman's honor really is in this wonderful satire of the sexual double standard. Be sure to stay with us after the play for a chat with the director. And now, without further ado, Woman's Honor, written by Susan Glassful and directed by Lori LaPaul. Imagine we are in a room in the sheriff's house, which is used for conferences. At the rear is a door into the hall, and at the left, a door which leads to the adjoining room. There is also a door at the right, going to the corridor which connects this house with the jail. A lawyer and a prisoner are in a heated conversation. The prisoner, an attractive young man, is seated and has just turned away from the lawyer. You know that murder is no laughing matter. Well, was I laughing? Where were you on the night of October 25th? Your silence shields a woman's honor. Do you, do you know what's going to be said of you? You're going to be called old-fashioned. A man will not tell where he is because it involves a woman's honor. How quaint. Say, do you think she's worth it? Yes, get red in the face. I should think you would. Blush. Blush for shame. Shame of having loved a woman who'd let a man face death to shield her own honor. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's just like a woman, the cowards. That's what I most despise in women. Afraid they won't be looked upon as the pure, noble, sensitive souls they spend their lives trying to make us believe they are. Sickening. There are things you don't understand. Oh, yes, I do. I suppose she's got a husband. I suppose he'd divorce her. And she wouldn't be asked out to tea quite so often. Good Lord. Die for something real. You and I have different ideals, Mr. Foster. There are things we don't discuss. There are things we have to discuss. If you insist upon this romantic course, then at least we will have to get something out of that. What do you mean? Simply that public feeling has got to swing toward you, or the jury will say you murdered Airwald. If we can't have an alibi, let us by all means have a hero. Have you given out a story to the newspapers? Very delicately done. A life for a life. Isn't that moving? 
While Gordon Wallace languishes in his cell, some woman is safe in a shielded home. Charged with the murder of John Airwalt, young Wallace fails to cut his chain of circumstantial evidence with an alibi. Where was Gordon Wallace on the night of October 25th? He maintains the dogged silence. Behind that silence rests a woman's honor and so on at some length. You had no right to give out a story without my consent. Oh, yes, I have. If I can't get your consent for saving your life, then, my young friend, I shall save it without your consent. Pardon my rudeness. How will this save it? How little romantic young men know the romantic sex. Wives, including, I hope, jurors' wives, will cry. Don't let that chivalrous young man die. <laughs> Women just love to have their honor shielded. It's very touching to them. Mr. Foster, I tell you again, I dislike your attitude toward women. Laugh at me if you will, but I have respect and reverence for women. I believe it's perfectly true that men must guard them. Call me a romantic young fool if it pleases you, but I've had a mother, a sister, sweetheart. Yes, I am ready to die to shield a woman's honor. As he says this, the door slowly opens and a woman steps in. Oh no, you shall not! Quite taken aback, the men stand looking at her. She has breeding, poise. Obviously, she has stepped out of a world where women are shielded. She maintains a front of her usual composure, but there is an intensity, an excitement, which indicates she is feeling some big new thing. Oh! You've come? I have come. I don't understand. You were not willing to let him die. No. Good. This young man <clears throat> was with you on the night of October 25th? Yes. Why, no, I wasn't. There's no use, Gordon, in trying to keep the lady from doing what she is apparently determined to do. No, you cannot keep me from doing what I have determined to do. For my part, I respect you for it. Then you're prepared to testify that on the night of October 25th, Gordon Wallace was with you from 12 o'clock midnight till 8 next morning? Yes. Was with you continuously? Yes. Your name is? Don't give him your name. He'll use it. I tell you, this is all a mistake. I don't know this lady. I never saw her before. You mustn't do this. I have done it. And as I said, madam, I greatly respect you for doing it. You are, if I may say so, unlike most of your sex. Now, <clears throat> your name. Um, Mrs. Oscar Duncan. And Mrs. Duncan, you live at... I fear someone's coming in. Will you just step in here? As he shows her into another room, the corridor door opens. A woman comes in. Rather plump, middle-aged. A pleasant, motherly-looking woman. She looks from the lawyer to the prisoner, moves to get a better look at the young man. He becomes nervous under the scrutiny. Then she seems to have it straight in her mind and nods pleasantly. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. There was no one out there, so I just walked in. I thought you might be glad to see me. No, oh, uh, we are, aren't we? I suppose I'm in the right place. Well, it is the right place for some things. Is it the place to tell the truth about Gordon Wallace? It seems to be. Well, then, on the night of October 25th, that young man, this young man, was with me. From 12 o'clock midnight until 8 next morning? From 12 o'clock midnight till 8 the next morning. Was with you continuously? 
Oh, certainly. Continuously. The lady takes out her knitting and begins placidly to knit a muffler. Well, Gordon. It seems that mufflers get longer and longer, doesn't it? Why, uh, perhaps they do. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, you are willing to leave your name and address? Oh, certainly I'm willing to leave my name and address. What else would I be here for? Oh, uh, but could I use the telephone first? It will be better to let them know that I'll probably be late getting home for lunch. Uh, no. Uh, oh, there's someone in that room. Here, I'll show you how to get through to the, to the jail. The phone. jail? But we'll soon have you out of jail. She goes, giving the young prisoner an encouraging smile. The lawyer steps out with her. The prisoner hears the rear door opening. He starts nervously, looks around to see a young woman come in. In a keen, cool, amused way, she is staring at him. He turns away, petulantly scooting his chair around. She moves where she can see him better, takes from her bag a newspaper picture, looks from it to him. He turns, sees what she's doing. She smiles at him. He looks cornered. The lawyer enters, sees what's going on, and smiles. I understand that down here a man is about to die for a woman's honor. He had some such thing in mind. Now you can't get away with that. Sorry to upset your plans, but the death seems uncalled for. On the night of October 25th, Gordon Wallace was with me. From 12 o'clock midnight till 8 next morning? From 12 o'clock midnight until 8 next morning. Continuously? Continuously. Well, well, Gordon, I understand why you hesitated to tell the truth about that momentous night. Rise and thank the Lady Gordon. It would seem the least you could do would be to rise. Suddenly, a fussily dressed, hysterical woman rushes in and throws her arms around the lawyer's neck. Darling, I cannot let you die for me. Pardon me, madam, but... Gordon, you call me madam after that night together. Oh, my beloved, when I think of those hours, I lay in your arms. Uh, pardon me, but you never lay. I know. Ah, I understand. You pretend not to know me. You would die to shield me, but you shall not. You cannot escape me. Apparently not. <laughs> but permit me to tell you, uh, you are making a mistake. No, I am not making a mistake. You shall not die for me. I really don't intend to, <clears throat> if I can help it. Love is so beautiful, so ennobling. Oh, when I think of that night, October 25th. The lady, overcome, sinks into a chair. Well, Gordon, have you a choice? You see, you didn't understand women as well as you thought. Neither did you. The sheriff's boy comes in. I was over at the bank. Women came. Yes, I know. But more women. Six women are out there. Don't let them in. Tell the ladies we shall not need them. Thank them for coming. Well, come now. What shall we do with this embarrassment of generosity? You see, dying for a woman's honor isn't as easy as you might think. It even looks as though there were a sort of conspiracy against it. I'm not going to be made a fool of. <laughs> Are you sure you can help it? Some of those women won't go away. I don't know what to do with them. No, <clears throat> it's not a matter the young can cope with. The lawyer leaves with the boy. The amused young woman sits looking the prisoner over, to his embarrassment and irritation. Oh, you were thinking of dying for a woman's honor. 
Well, do you think that's a very nice way to treat the lady? Seems to me you should think of her feelings. Have you a right to ruin her life? Ruin her life? Why? Certainly. A life that somebody has died for is practically a ruined life. For how are you going to think of it as anything but a life that somebody has died for? Did it ever strike you as funny that woman's honour is only about one thing and that man's honour is about everything but that thing? Now, woman's honour means woman's virtue, but this lady for whom you propose to die has no virtue. Please be careful what you say. Oh, I'm being very careful. I'm thinking it out just as carefully as I can. The night of October 25th, or at some time previous to that, she lost her virtue, and you propose to die to keep us from knowing about this loss. Now, it has happened, hasn't it? Uh, on the night of October 25th, from 12 o'clock midnight till 8 next morning, continuously, she lost her virtue. You aren't dying to keep her virtuous. I fancy few lives have been laid upon that altar, but you're dying to keep us from knowing she is what she is. Dear me, it seems rather sad. <laughs> it is noble beyond words. There's where you're going to get your approbation. The motherly one now returns from her phone call. She looks at the silly woman and then stares at the scornful one. Can it be that we are two souls with but a single thought? <laughs> Perhaps we are two hearts that beat as one. We might draw lots. Love conquereth all things. Even the female brain. I wonder why you others came. Why did you come? Oh, I have children of my own. I thought, he's such a nice boy, and probably she's some nice girl afraid of her mother. And I thought, well now, what an awful pity to let him die or even spend a lot of time in prison. I said to myself, it would be just like a lot of men to go fuss around about a woman's honor and really let it hurt somebody. So I decided, well, I'll go. What harm could it do me? You see, I'm in the habit of trying to save lives. I do nursing, practical nursing, and I didn't happen to be on a case just now. So I thought, well, I'll just take this case. Some of the folks I nursed for may be shocked, but good sensible nurses aren't so easy to get. Of course, my children may be upset about it, but they're awful nice children. And when they're a little older, probably they'll be pleased to think their mother didn't want a nice boy to die. Hmm. I wonder if she will come. I wonder. She is here. Oh, it's not you. You thought it was the lawyer you were with. Anyway, people who do things don't make so much fuss about them. I think she will have to come. The door of the room into which the first woman was shown opens quietly, and without the others being aware of it, she is standing in the doorway, bringing with her that sense of the ordered, shielded life out of which she has stepped. I'm sure I don't see how she could ever think of staying away. I hate a coward. Some women think a great deal about their honor. I think it's usually women who aren't very well, or who haven't much else to take up their time. Impulsively, the shielded one steps forward as if to speak. The other women turn, rise, and stand looking at her. Oh, you've come. Please go away. Oh. Can't you see? There's no need for your staying. There is need of it. It's true. We aren't all needed. Who will be best? Tell me, why are you here? Well, um, 
you see for myself, I haven't any honor to worry about and haven't had for some time. So I thought if the sacrifice of a woman's honor is going to save a man's life, let me who have none nobly sacrifice mine. What do you mean you haven't had any honor for some time? Oh, I haven't had my honor around with me since I was 17. Do you miss it? Well, yes. Sometimes when I'm tired, I might like to slump back into it. You see, honor camouflages so many things. Stupidity, selfishness, greed, lust, avarice, gluttony. So without it, you're almost forced to be a decent sort. And that's sometimes wearing. But I'll tell you why I'm really here. When men begin to sob around about woman's honor, they get my goat. That lawyer, he thought he was going to get away with it. Why, woman's honor would have died out long ago if it hadn't been for men's talk about it. Mm, I suppose it really has to be kept up as long as it gives men such noble feelings. Now, that man, the one when I was 17, he's that sort. Well, he would be, of course. Why, this instant, his eyes would become pools of feeling if anyone were to talk about saving a woman's honour. Gee. If she is here, she must be feeling quite upset. If she cares enough about her honour to have held back this long, it can't be easy to let go. She'll be better off without it. I don't know. You see, she's had it quite a while. She's used to it. I was thinking. Again, the door opens and a brisk young woman darts in dressed in cheap, up-to-the-minute clothes. All turn to look at her and continue to stare. Something in this scrutiny becomes disconcerting. While he was busy with the other women, I just slipped by. I is this? Sit down and wait your turn. Are all of you ahead of me? Your number seems to be five. The number five sits down, and there is a pause in which the others continue to look at her. She indignantly checks her coat and hat, assuring herself that there is nothing the matter with her. You look young for this. Oh, well... If you'll excuse me saying so, the same objection can't be made to some of you. What are you here for? Oh, I guess I'm here for about the same reason all of you are here. But we are here for different reasons. Say, what are you trying to put over on me? Suppose I think you're here for your health, or out of kindness, or to show your great beauty? Hardly. Anybody not feeble-minded could dope out why you're sitting here like owls. Well, why? Oh, not for the money, of course. Oh, my goodness! I'm sorry you said How that. How sordid! How desecrating! Say, I don't like the atmosphere of this place. We don't like it as well as we did. A business proposition is a business proposition. What a man needs and can pay for... I really must ask you, love is so beautiful! Well, suppose it is. What's that got to do with it? You seem hard for one so young. I may be hard, but I'm not a nut. Woman's honor doesn't play much part in your young life, does it? Or woman's self-respect, either. Say, you think you can sit there and insult me? I don't know what you are, but I'll have you know I'm an honest working girl. I heard they were going to take on another stenographer down here, but I don't like the atmosphere of this place. She leaves. It was a misunderstanding. Ah, life is paved with misunderstanding. 
It will be said we did this for money. Oh, a great deal will be said. If you care about what's said, you better follow the honest working girl out that door. What's said makes an awful difference in some people's lives. They don't know how much difference until they've heard it said. You get made into one thing and then it's not easy to be another. And as the honest working girl hinted, some of us aren't as young as we'd like to be. Age shouldn't discourage one. It's never too late to mend. The women look expectantly around as the door swings open, and the unfortunate prisoner, whose face has been buried in his hands, looks around in terror. They all wait a moment, but no one comes in. If she is here and really minds losing her honor, well, she could just go home. We can't all lose our honor. It might do the young man more harm than good. It's different with you. You had an early start, and then you've got character. You don't need honor to lean on. What is woman's honor? A thing men talk about. A safe corner. A scar to guide them. Guide them where? Yes, where? Many a woman who's guided hasn't guided anywhere. Aren't we something more than things to be noble about? Of course, what we've really been is kind. We have not deprived them of the pleasures of being noble. If we do it now, it would leave them in a bleak world. Can't we put something in its place so they won't be so desolate and yet we won't be so, oh, what's so... um... Bored. If we could only get them noble about something else, I should really hate to take it from them entirely. It's like giving up smoking or drinking. You have to do it gradually, and there should be something to put in its place. If we could only think of a new vice for them. They have all those. Oh, I hope you women can work out some way to free us from men's noble feelings about it. I speak for all the women of my underworld, all those others smothered under men's lofty sentiments toward them. Oh, I wish I could paint for you the horrors of the shielded life. I know you would feel something must be done to save us. After all, are we not your sisters? Our honor has been saved so many times. We are tired. And so when I read in the paper this morning that woman's honor was being saved again. Ah, read in the paper, then you're not the one. Not that one, but... A woman comes in as the door opens. Though she exudes a strange quiet and passivity, she is unaccountably forceful. She gives a sense of one who has been cheated and is going to be cheated no more. She is scarcely aware of the other women. Her eyes go to the unfortunate young prisoner. He turns to look at her and is unable to look away. Uh, Are you a stenographer? No. In her dogged way, this woman advances upon the prisoner. He is afraid. She sits down close to him as if to cut off his escape. I wonder if she is here. I wonder. Oh, but don't turn that against me because I'm not this particular woman. What a detail that is. I am those victims of men's dreadful need for nobility. I'd rather die than go back to it. Help me to lead another life. We must lift her up. We will find a place for her in the great good world outside the shielded life. Then you others go and I will stay. I will give my life for yours, my sister. No, you won't. I'll have nothing to do with saving you. You deserve nothing better than woman's honor. Come with us. Aren't you coming with us? No. Why not? I shall stay. Perhaps she is here. And if she is here, then we have not the right to leave her. Tell us, are you the woman Gordon Wallace was with on the night of October 25th? Yes. Of course, we've all said that. But she says it in a different way. 
I'm afraid that you will have to leave with us. It seems she has the right. But do you think she has the right just because she is the one? Leave me! Suppose we do, you know. I like the idea. Why? The more I think about it, the better I like it. Yes, come. This is the lady you were going to die for. But no! What can I do for her? And how through her can we reach my poor sister smothered under woman's honor? I insist upon it. I am the one. You are not the one. No, I think to avoid feeling between you two, I had better stay. I'm a nurse and a mother, and I keep coming back to the idea these things are needed. No, you have too many other things to do. I am the one to remain. I am peculiarly fitted for it. You are not fitted for it at all. There is no one less fitted for it than you. How do you make that out? You don't need it. Woman's honor never hurt you. The scornful one reluctantly mm -hmm. accepts this. She turns to the prisoner. Are you acquainted with this woman? No. Then why are you so afraid of her? I'm not. But he is forced to meet the smoldering eyes of the cheated one. He cannot look away. But you were going to help me lead a better life, and now you stand here quibbling over a petty question of fact when the whole great question of escape from woman's honor is at stake. Oh, is it true that women will not help one another? That they are hard and self-seeking? My heart is full. Your heart is full of a simpering parrot. The lawyer returns. Ladies, ladies, quarreling? I'm sorry to find you in this mood. I had hoped while you were here together you might arrive at some understanding. I wish you go home. We might arrive at something if we didn't have you on our back. Now why must women always dislike each other? If I were you, I'd try not to talk much. Why not? She has a kind heart. Now I, I'd let you talk. Sometimes it seems quite as well not to try to follow women. Sometimes even better. Well now, ladies, let us drop personal dissensions for the moment. This unfortunate young man, Mr. Wallace, is much moved by your generosity. He has made up his mind to die for a woman's honor. Now it seems he is not to do so, a change of plan which he has not yet adjusted himself. His perturbations make him unequal to selecting the lady who is with him on the night of October 25th. So, I would like to get you a feeling. Since it seems unnecessary for all of you to have been with the young man on the night of October 25th, could that door be closed? It makes me nervous. Now, doubtless you will agree with me that we should always eliminate waste. If a woman's honor is to be sacrificed, may I, without indelicacy, inquire uh, who would sacrifice least? I would. You would? The rest of you can talk as long as you like. I shall stay. She rises and takes firm hold of the unfortunate prisoner's chair. Well, there seems something final about that. Tell us, are you the one? I am the one to stay. Now don't cheat. Tell us, are you? Cheat? Cheat? You say to me, don't cheat? I don't cheat. I've been cheated. Cheated out of my chance to have a man I wanted by a man who would have what he wanted. Then he saved my woman's honor married me and cheated me out of my life. I'm just something to be cheated. That's the way I think of myself. Until this morning, until I read about Gordon Wallace, then I saw a way to get away from myself. It's the first thing I have ever wanted to do that I have done. 
You will not cheat me out of this. Don't you try. But she is thinking of it in just a personal way. That's why I stay. But think of my poor sisters, all those unfortunate women. The only unfortunate woman I'll think about is myself. You hear her? The only unfortunate woman she'll think about is herself. Oh, now we really must ask you. Love is so beautiful. You can't cheat just because you've been cheated. You say cheat to me again? You say cheat to me? How dare you? Ladies, ladies, surely there must be a way out of the difficulty. Perhaps we can work out some way to, to save both of them through Gordon Wallace. All the women except for the cheated one draw together excitedly. The prisoner, who has rapidly been approaching the breaking point, makes a move to escape. Here, yes, on the night of October 25th, the women come together in low-voiced conference with the lawyer. Suddenly, the prisoner slips around the cheated one and makes for the door. It opens in his face, and the doorway is blocked by a large and determined woman. He staggers back and falls into the lawyer's arms. Oh, hell! I'll plead guilty! You have been listening to Woman's Honor by Susan Glassville, directed by Lori LaPaul, with Bob Cohen as the lawyer, Raven Deerwater as the prisoner, Nancy Bartke as the shielded one, Tess Albin-Smith as the motherly one, Janet Atherton, the scornful one, Summer Makovkin, the silly one, Laura Pinu as the mercenary one, Windflower Townley as the cheated one, and Lydie Jimenez-Potter as the sheriff's boy. The narration was by Sarah Constance Rose with sound production and design by Ken Krauss. And so, Lori, tell us, what were the challenges of bringing this particular play to the radio? Well, first of all, Pamela, it's a play written for the stage with costumes, uh, background, etc., and the challenge is to make it relevant and exciting for the radio, for a listening audience. One of the aspects, the visual aspects in this particular play are the classic elements of farce, which is opening and closing of doors and all these different people going in and out. And how do you bring that forth on the radio so that it's just as humorous to listen to as it would be to look at? And of course, we had a wonderful sound person, Ken Krauss, who is fantastic at bringing in these sounds and elements that enliven the whole play and make it really fun for a listening audience. And of course, for the actors, it's also a challenge because of course, their voices have to carry through the character. All the nuances and subtleties of character they have to put through in their voice. So the challenge for them was to really listen to each other really well and and respond. And I think the actors did a, a really great job on this. And another challenge in a stage play, you have stage directions, which of course give the actors where they should stand, what happens next, pretty much technical aspects. But in this play, the stage directions also bring forth a visual element in the sense of give the picture of where people are, where the characters are. And so we change this to a narrative voice. 
stage directions became narrator. And uh, the young person who played it, Sarah Rose, did a wonderful job of narrating this and bringing the things that you can't really see but need to know that happen in the play, the actions that happen that don't come through the character's dialogue. Right. So I would I would say those are challenges, but it was it was great fun to do it. It's very interesting as a director to just hone your listening and see if you can just with your ears be able to direct so that the the play becomes alive and really fun to listen to. Yes, and you've really become good at this now. After. Oh, thank you, Pam. <laughs> I hope and, so. <laughs> and I, I just want to say thank you so much, Lori LaPaul, for working on this project. Uh, it was really an enjoyable project. Yes, thank you, Pam. <laughs> and I also want to thank all the actors who have donated their time to this. I can't tell you how much fun this has been. I would like to remind everyone to please tune in every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. for our one-minute radio theaters. just two minutes out of your time. And also our next reading on the radio is on July 29th at 7 p.m. To find out more about Mendocino Theatre Company and to keep up with our reopening plans, yes, that's really happening. Yay. Please go to mendocinotheater.org. Also, if you have enjoyed this show, please consider making a donation to KZYX at kzyx.org. Thank you so much and good night. Good night, everyone. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.